ranking 76. We're a ranking 76 heroes and villains in the American West. I'm Eric. I'm Matt. And today we have someone unlike anyone we've covered before. Ooh. Someone who has been described as, quote, Wyatt Earp could not have been a patch on this man's leg. Doc Holliday. Nope. It's actually our technically our second lawman, which is weird to say because Wild Bill Hickok, I think, barely counts as a lawman. He's more celebrity and gambler, but technically he was a lawman. So we've covered a lot of outlaws. We've covered a lot of native leaders. We have not really covered a lawman yet. Any guesses who this man might be? Mm. Someone who Wyatt Earp could not measure up to. Pinkerton. It is not. I'm just going to send you a picture, and it might give you a clue why he's not well known. Okay. For everyone else, you've already read the episode title to this. You know this is Bass Reeves. Matt is going yeah. in blind. Bass Reeves. Never heard of him. Yeah. Did Loving you see the mustache, the... though. It's pretty sweet. Have you noticed he's different than anyone else? Yes, covered? absolutely. Yes. He is a black man, which is probably why so many people haven't heard of him, unfortunately. But let me tell you, he's already one of my favorites. And a lot of people think he's better than Wyatt Earp. Some do, yes. Also, Wyatt Earp, a uh, little bit of a controversial figure. So some people are... That's a low low bar for some people, but he will get his own episode now sometime, whenever. So what'd you say his first name? Bass. Bass Bass Reeves. Bass Reeves. Reeves. Which I think is a really cool name. Like, it's a strong, strong name. Like, if I'm going to be arrested, I want to be arrested by Bass Reeves. (laughs) Like, it just. Bass Reeves. He sounds like, he, he sounds like the epic voice guy. Like, that's. That's a man you want to be arrested by. <laughs> I'm excited. Let's hear about this law, man. Well, first, let's let's talk about who he may have inspired. Because about the 1930s, uh, this isn't... This obviously can't be proven because nobody said it. And there's actually quite a few people that doubt it. However, Bass may have been the inspiration for the Lone Ranger. No way. Yeah. Wasn't the Lone Ranger a bad guy, though? Uh, no, no, he was not. <laughs> I'm thinking of someone else. <laughs> you might. Oh, I'm thinking of the Sundance kid. Butch Cassidy. Butch Cassidy. Yeah. A little, little different. Yeah. He was an outlaw. Yes. <laughs> yes. The Sun- hey, Butch Cassidy wasn't the Sundance kid. Everyone, please. In the comments. That's, 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 <laughs> everyone put the keyboards down. <laughs> I don't need this heat this early. <laughs> but anyway, Bass may have used a silver dollar as a thank you for those who assisted him. And it was the Lone Ranger's calling card. The Lone Ranger rode a white horse. Bass Reeves was rumored to have ridden a white horse. Bass Reeves would use tricks to catch the bad guys. So would the Lone Ranger. But, alas, there is no definitive proof. However, there is a reason the Lone Ranger is wearing a black mask oh boom do with that what you will that is disputed quite a bit but it is it is very much a possibility that nope i'm here to say ladies and gentlemen the lone ranger is bass reeves stamped it will be on his wikipedia page uh 
sighted for Matt Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) I am tempted to go look into his Wikipedia page because just look up his wiki page and see how sad and pathetic it looks. Uh, Is it one of those ones that has like almost no information? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there's almost nothing. Yeah, like really, really not. And even even when you look in the sources, there's really not that much there. And half of the sources in his Wikipedia page, uh, those articles don't contain sources themselves. So it's basically useless. He did have a film in 2019 based around his life, though, he did. called there's, Hell on the Border. Yes, I saw it. I wish it was better. Oh, it's not that good. It's they made him. Mm, we'll talk about it at the end. Like, let's okay. not, I won't, I won't spoil too much of it, but, um, I wish it, I'm, I'm happy it was made. I wish it was better. Anyway, Bass Reeves was born into slavery in July, 1838 in Texas. His owner, William Steele Reeves was a war of 1812 veteran and was also a state legislator for Tennessee and Arkansas. Now, it's unknown, but Bass may have gotten his name from a grandfather, but little else is known about his childhood. What little is known is told by Bass years later. He would tell that when he was a young boy, he was a water boy and later served as a field hand. When he became older, he showed a knack of working with animals, hunting, and then later working as a blacksmith. As he grew older, Bass became very skilled with a gun. He could shoot with either hand and was so good, his owner would even allow him to enter turkey shoots. The shoots consisted of a competition that consisted between hanging a dead turkey upside down, and then a contestant would ride on horse at full gallop and try to shoot the head off of the turkey, which is a really small target. Bass was so consistent with his shot, he would be banned from competing in turkey shoots at local fairs and picnics. Dang, he's good. Another now, good shooter, huh? Now think about how good you have to be because it's not slave owners are kind of notorious for not arming their slaves. Now there's I why weird. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought? Uh, this particular case, the mystery might be solved because there are rumors that his owner William Steele Reeves was actually Bass's father. His last name was Reeves as well. Well, he would have taken his name, but yes. Oh, right, right, right. Right, because he's his property and all of that wonderful hot garbage that comes along with it. So William Steele Reeves eventually passes away and he is handed off. Bass's ownership is passed off to his son, who actually served during the Civil War, where Bass was a body servant that came along with his master. Now, there's no documentation saying Bass was ever in the Civil War because owners typically didn't say when they're, quote, body servants were with them. However, Bass was able to call out that he was at uh, Chickamauga, Missionary Ridge, and Pea Ridge. Pea Ridge, if you remember, was actually the same battle while Bill Hickok was in when he was fighting as a spy. If that draws any uh, any ears. Dang. Yeah. Now, don't really know how much battle he saw, but uh, he had to have been there because we're going to talk about it in a second, but he doesn't ever learn to read. So for him to be able to pick out battles, pretty good indicator. Yeah. After the Civil War, the now freedman Bass Reeves still works for his owner, like 
so many other ex-slaves during Reconstruction. Uh, Bass is forced to flee, however, after he gets into a fight after a card game with his former owner. Oh, no. Reeves apparently knocked him out. Understanding that this is now not the place to be, he actually runs north to Indian Territory, or what is modern-day Oklahoma, and then parts of Arkansas. Little is known about what Bass does right when he gets to Arkansas. Uh, you can go off of the 1880 census that claims that he moved, he marries a wife named Jane, and they have four children together. They built an eight-room house and are relatively poor. But he was able to build an eight an eight room an house. Eight, eight room house. Now I don't know how big those rooms house though how big those rooms were, but that also stuck out to me that he built an eight room house. But granted, it's not like he's probably paying for that much lumber. He's probably building it himself. Right. Yeah. Um there are rumors that when he was in Indian territory that he he would work a lot of odd jobs. There was one poorly sourced um poorly sourced source i guess that said that he may have been an outlaw blah 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 um didn't didn't happen pretty confident in saying that so while bass is building his aunt room house and getting his life together we can talk about judge isaac parker or as everyone else knew him by his nickname the hanging judge Mm -hmm. i was about to say i could just tell by his name he was not a good man he was a very strict man. Uh, Isaac Parker is a bit understaffed. He oversees the Fort Smith court, which sounds pretty simple. You're thinking a fort. It's a really relatively small area, correct? Uh, mm -hmm. Absolutely wrong. It is the largest jurisdiction in United States history. It okay. covered 74,000 square miles. Do you know how big 74,000 square miles is? A fair amount of Arkansas and all of modern-day Oklahoma. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what he was in charge of. That was his court. That was his entire jurisdiction. It'll take him about six days to get here, Judge, but I'm confident he'll show up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure... Uh, yeah, plenty got lost in the mail there. A lot of warrants didn't get served. You were supposed to be in court about two and a half years ago. Sorry, the letter got lost. Yeah. You're How supposed to be hung, man. Sorry, you didn't show up. Yeah, I guess you're just free. Uh, Isaac Parker wants to hire about 200 marshals. Being one of these U.S. marshals was particularly dangerous because the penalty for resisting a resist an arrest for a marshal was only about a year in prison, which means it was kind of worth the risk to fight back because all you're going to get is just one extra year on your sentence. It's so dangerous that, in fact, in the 20 years Parker is holding his court, as many as 100 deputies died in shootouts. Jeez. Parker would issue bounties and collect uh, to be given to U.S. deputy marshals for issued for the following crimes. Murder attempt to murder, manslaughter, assault to intend to kill or maim, arson, robbery, rape, burglary, larceny, incest, adultery, willingly and maliciously placing obstructions on a railroad track. With these laws, he wanted to control the territory. 
and they kept Parker incredibly busy over the span of his court, which ran six days a week. Now, Parker was notorious for handing out harsh sentences. It was his personal belief that the certainty of punishment would keep crime down. If you were forgiving in your court, it would lead to more crime. During his tenure as a judge, one in 100 convictions would end in a death. That's that doesn't seem all that impressive, but the sheer number of cases Parker sees is. He was working six days a week. He a busy man. There's a lot of people to hang. And we're going to see Indian Territory, one of the more dangerous places to be in the country at this time. But between 1875 and when he retires in September 1896, Parker would hear 13,490 criminal cases and found 8,500 convictions. Approximately 85% of those cases were in Indian Territory according to our Bree's biographer, Art Burton. Why was Indian Territory so notorious and not the best place to be? Well, it was sparsely populated, but the territory obviously consisted of a large population of tribes who had their own policemen. But due to treaties stating that natives were not allowed to arrest anyone that wasn't affiliated with their own tribe, outlaws could basically hide out in Indian territory without fear of arrest, regardless of if they committed crimes or not. Whoever made that rule in the treaty, you're a moron. (laughs) You are, that's not, that's a loophole you can drive a train through. An estimated 20,000 non-native residents lived in the territory, 5,000 of which were said to be law-abiding. Let me read that again. An estimated 20,000 non-natives lived in the territory, and only a quarter of those were thought to be law-abiding. When you break that down into a ratio of those convicted, out of every 11, seven were white, three were black, and one was native. Being a black man, it would be easier for Bass to arrest other black slash native men, as most who resisted for other various reasons, uh, whether it was racism or not. But this is where actually racism helped him because at least 25% of those people were more willing to be arrested by Reeves. Back to Bass. Sometime around 1875, he hopes he can find some work working as a marshal, which is fairly plausible, surprisingly or not, for black and Native American hopefuls, as the dangerous work would keep positions open pretty much the entire time that it's a territory. Little did anyone know that this was the beginning of Bass's 32-year career. Dang. And would start the first couple of an estimated 3,000 arrests. So he got after it. He was constantly, constantly going. The job was more on-the-job training, as you would ride as a posse man before you would become deputy and who would then form what was called an outfit. An outfit typically consisted of the deputy marshal, a posse man, a posse man or two, or possibly a cook. Most of the time, you would bring back some type of native 
scout with you to ride as posse because it's actually the law going into uh, the 1880s. But an outfit would typically be given 30 days to bring in an outlaw. You would then earn money and charge fees based on what you would do, what you would charge, and then you would be reimbursed for supplies if you were able to return the outlaw. Is that dead or alive? Uh, alive because you want to convict them. Okay. So is that like a myth then? Like wanted dead or alive or Oh no, wanted dead or alive is a thing, but it was it was reserved for the real baddies, the Jesse Jameses, the John Wesley Hardens. Eventually you get to a point of yeah, this person's just better off dead. Or you're probably not gonna take them alive. So what they had to do is they they would spend their own money bringing this well, criminal in. And then as soon as they brought him in, they would get reimbursed slash right. whatever other fees they correct wanted. Now it's uh, easy. It's easy to like fudge that. And even part of the job was you actually make money. It's like today. So I'm for my job. They're going to uh, let me go to work in Albany, New York. Well, I live in Stanford, Connecticut, but the company I work for is going to pay for my gas is going to pay for, you know, food, lodging, all of that good stuff. So it's kind of the same thing. Um, but you can also imagine it is just rife with people just charging. Yep. That was, that cost me a dollar, but I'm charging. It said $3. Like well, We had to, we had to pick up this equipment. We had to use this equipment and we had to use so. the best equipment. We couldn't just use that ratty stuff. Now I paid for the ratty stuff, but I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you, I got the good stuff. Right. And then they would split it amongst the outfit. Uh, you know, I don't think I looked that up. Oh, huh. Okay. okay. I went, I would assume so. Yeah. I was going to say, I would assume if they were all together, unless they all wrote out like, may the best man win. Like if they had like four different towns that could have been in. It could have, I'm going to assume they split the bounty and then maybe the charges were just assumed to the deputy. But the bounty was never like 10 bucks or whatever. It was always like decently high, right? I mean, it was good money for the time. Right, right. Right, like you can make a living off of it. Yes, yeah, obviously, because he did it for 32 years. He wasn't <laughs> yeah. And he made a good living off of it. We're going to go into that in, well, a ways, but uh, Bass did quite well for a while. Now, you could increase your fees and your bounties by collecting simply multiple bounties at a time. To collect multiple bounties, you would basically travel in a wagon, pick up the outlaw, chain him to the wagon, and then just keep collecting as you go. As long as they didn't have access to the guns, there really was nothing they could do about it. They were just kind of on your own little magical school bus of uh, villainy. Reeves would run as a posse man early in his career, where marshals were required by law to take at least one of them with him. Those who knew Bass would describe him as a very large man who wore a large black hat. He would tell jokes that were both boastful and lusty. Ooh. He is also said to have a thunderous laugh, which if you look at a picture of him, you can definitely tell that man had a big laugh. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Right? Santa Reeves? Is that what that <laughs> was? I mean, he has you a, never know. He has a pretty sweet mustache. I don't think that qualifies as a beard, though. He's also said to have a really deep voice that could be both authoritative or assuring, depending on what situation you present it to him. He very much changed based on how you treated him, it sounded like. 
Due to his size, he always rode a large horse, then he always loved racing. And he loved to also say that, quote, when you're as big as me, a small horse is as useless as a preacher in a whiskey bar fight. (laughs) Which is oddly specific. (laughs) Trust me, I've been there. You don't want to (laughs) preach. I have seen at least a dozen preachers in a whiskey bar fight. None of them are good. What preachers are you listening to, sir? We should also probably mention there's not a lot written down about Bass. Uh, for the simple reason that he was a black man who was really good at his job. The only real evidence in the early years is that he was good at his job is that he was appointed deputy marshal by Parker sometime around 1880 or 1875. Because Bass was illiterate, he never wrote down anything himself, and there wasn't much motivation for others to write down for him. Because even historical societies, as we get close to Oklahoma being a state, uh, they wouldn't just write anything down about him. So a lot of the stories of the 3,000 arrests are just lost. To help Bass get around his illiteracy, he would have someone read the words of the writ over and over to him until he memorized the letters as a pattern or until he could basically read the charge out loud. Don't think of it real. Now, that does sound suspiciously like reading, but no, he couldn't actually read it. He depended on somebody telling him the right thing on the writ and then dictating it back. When he approached the suspect, he would hand over the subpoena and have them read it out loud. If they couldn't read, he would find someone to do it for them. He used the system during his entire career and only had one mistaken identity during his time as Marshal. Dang. It's real good. He's a really efficient guy. To show you how efficient he was, Art Burton's book on Bass Reads is essentially a real long list of the arrests he makes. It's literally, it's page after page. Probably like 25% of the book is just, he arrested this guy this date, he did it this date, he did this this date. It's just a constant ongoing list. To give you an example, I'm just going to read off between April and then the beginning of August in 1882. And keep in mind, some of this is going back and forth to bring laws, law, uh, outlaws in to see Parker and then heading back out. So again, this is in 1882 starting on April 4th. On April 4th, he arrested a man for assault. That same day, he asked for a warrant to bring in a man for selling illegal whiskey. He arrests him the next month in June. On June 1st, he arrests another whiskey seller. He then jumps to July and arrests someone for attempted murder. Uh, Six days later, he arrests a horse thief. Five days after that, he arrests someone for assault with a man hitting a woman with the butt of a rifle. A week after that, he arrested someone for attempted murder. About two weeks after that, he arrested a warrant serving a warrant for illegal whiskey sales and then brought two men in. And then October 9th, near the end of it, he arrests someone for murder. Diligent he was. Always, always going. Now, most of the arrests above did not require whiskey, but that was a majority of what Reeves' warrants were issued for. Illegal whiskey trading was made up about 80% of Camp Smith's trials. He would go and ask for papers to be written up, and one surviving request from Reeves, as he had it dictated, it reads, quote, Sir, send it for one hall introducing and selling whiskey. 
He is Porter on train has been selling whiskey for the last two and a half years. Most everyone trip he delivers to his customers is one to four gallons per trip. Witnesses WF Gabler, William Sorb, Adam Brady, RJ Miller, sent to Wawoka store. Yours truly, Bass Reeves. Clear, direct, this man ain't messing around. Once you give him a paper or he has your name, you're going to be arrested. There's no doubt about it. On the way back, however, uh, Bass thought it was his duty to help preach. He was a deacon at his church, and at night he would sermonize to the prisoners, which I'm sure they just loved. (laughs) Had to be the highlight of their day. Just what they wanted, right? They're outlaws that got arrested, so they know they're doomed. There is nothing worse than when you've done something wrong and you know you've done something wrong and the person bringing you in or is about to tell on you is just telling you how wrong you are. Yep. There is nothing worse. It is up there with a parent saying, I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. (laughs) You can imagine that during Bass's largest audiences, as there are times he brings in 16 and then 17 prisoners on separate occasions where he collects $700 and $900 respectfully in fees. Ooh, that's a lot of money. It's yeah. For basically a trip a piece. Yeah. He did very well. Now, even after his expenses, that's about $400 profit. Dang. Doing well. And you're not getting $400. Uh, most places outside of just picking it up from the dirt. If you found a mineral strike, he's doing well for himself. Other than singing and bringing in loads of prisoners, Bass really enjoyed himself a horse race and seemed to do it at any chance he could. One time, with a pocket full of warrants, he passes a man, not who he's going to arrest, but he just simply passes a man who he thinks has a pretty nice horse. The two men start complimenting each other's horses, kind of like, you know, if you're ever at a stoplight and you just kind of look over at the person next to you, I don't have a cool car, so this doesn't affect me, but... From what movies and cool people tell me, if you looking at someone uh, at the stoplight and you're just like, I mean, God, you have a nice car, but I mean, it probably just destroy mine. I mean, mine doesn't have a chance. Look at this. This only has a V7800 Toyota's Camry then middle engine. I know cars. <laughs> yes, a V7800. Wow. Yep. It's right next to, uh, it's the next class next to the flux capacitor. And the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the doors swing up, right? Yeah, they do. Yep. Where you got to enter in all the blinker fluid and the, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know cars. But anyway, I'm told this relates to the story. <laughs> So the two men kind of did that. Uh, The person Bass is trying to to race is named Thompson. And he's saying things about his own horse like, "Uh, my horse is, it's fine, but it's only good for chasing cows. And Bass would say something like, yeah, my horse is pretty good too, but I'm just so heavy. I'm so big. And I've been riding this one for a while. It's, I mean, you'll probably win. You'll, you'll destroy me. But you know, if, if you want to race, you know, 
I, I guess we could. We can kind of see like where we stack up. I know but you're going to you win, wanna... but I mean, yeah, do... let me see how good I will. How so well I do. the men reluctantly agree to a race. <laughs> the cue was going to be Bass was going to throw a rock into a creek. And once you heard the splash, it was off. Bass throws the rock into the creek. And once they hear the splash, both men take off. The prize is a $20 gold piece. Which, for two men not confident in their horse's ability to go for a $20 gold piece, probably means they were faking each other out, right? The passerby, Thompson, gets a tremendous lead. And Breeze would retell the story as he would be telling himself in the moment, what cows is this horse chasing to be this fast? But by the half-mile mark, Bass is back in the race. And by the three-quarter mark, Bass pulls ahead and wins the race handsomely. He gets to keep his own $20 piece. (laughs) Probably then finding immediately after, hey, you got a nice horse over there. (laughs) I wonder. I can't believe I won. I didn't think it was going to happen. Shoot, man. I mean, I mean, my horse is good, but I thought you had me. Do you want to do it again? Two out of three? Two out of three? Huh? Hmm? Five out of six? No, five out of six. That doesn't work. Five out of seven. <laughs> Actually, that still doesn't work. It would be best four out of seven, wouldn't it? Because that would be the first majority. Yeah, there's no reason to ever. Yeah. Yep. yep. Good for four, me and yep, my math. Four out of seven. I'm a smart one. Wah, wah, wah. Shut up. Later in life, Reeves would even charge uh, some of the men he had warrants for for an arrest now granted it's lighter charges he's not letting the murderers go but probably someone with a like a whiskey charge reeves approaches the would-be outlaw that if reeves can beat his horse if reeves wins in a race uh he would bring him in peacefully but if the outlaw wins reeves would tear up the warrant right then and there and when the race starts It isn't long before Reeves knows uh, he's not winning this race. And true to his word, he actually rips up the warrant and the man, the outlaw, continues to ride away. Now is a free man. No way. (laughs) You got it too cocky. Imagine how many uh, horse races he had won before he got to that point. Just every every person right. he comes up to had to just be like, Bass, you challenged me last week. I'm not going to race you. Yes, I know. Your horse sucks. I get it. Yep. It's such a, yeah, it's a joke. I get it. It's when you're like playing a, a game and you fight, like you can handsomely beat everyone around you. And then you go Destroyed. to like a new city and just get just annihilated. Like, I was second. the best in I'm my hometown of a thousand. Why in this town of a million am I not the best? <laughs> funny how that works exactly but yeah i i just i get this funny feeling i guess it's this funny thought in my head of literally everyone he approaches like oh my horse i wish it were faster <laughs> like good day you know i have a horse over there that's just really tired yeah <laughs> he's drawing on little bags <laughs> like to make it look more tired <laughs> now when he's not horse racing and making arrests, uh, Bass considered himself kind of a master of disguise. When Bass would go undercover, 
he picks a warrant for $5,000 to bring in two outlaws. He tracks them down after a couple weeks of hunting and sets up his camp about 30 miles outside of the, of their cabin and walks in. Now the mother is actually hiding the two boys and they're in obviously a really secluded area. Reeves takes the soles off of his shoes, shoots bullets in his own hat, and then carries a cane and walks with a limp as he approaches the house. The mother greets him as a passerby and asks him why he was there. Reeves said that he was running away from the law, that his feet were blistered, and he was running to the point that his hat actually had a bullet from the law and then apparently showed him the holes in the hat. See, I can't be lying. Look at the holes. It's the only way these can get in here is if somebody else shoots them in my hat. Bass comes in and he asks for dinner, a place to stay, just so he can have a night off from running from the law. The ruse works and the mother invites Bass in for dinner and the two talk for a while until they hear a whistle outside of the cabin where the mother goes outside. Turns out she's talking to both of her boys. Reeves stays inside the house, but is even invited to stay the night. In fact, Bass even thinks of maybe we should uh, plan a few attack. Maybe we should plan a few robberies together, guys. Like this could be real good team. Let's do it, huh? Said this complete stranger in their home. <laughs> Who they just met like less than a couple hours ago. <laughs> He's so trustworthy. Granted, you got to think like nobody is expecting. There's a hole. There's, there's a, a hole big hole. Hat. How else did this get here? <laughs> Now, jokes aside, uh, you're not going to expect a black man to come arrest you at this point. So it actually is a pretty good ruse. Uh, It just, it's kind of like 30 miles away from his camp, right? Right. So nobody would have followed him during that. It's just his camp's a ways away. It's kind of, this kind of reminds me of like that old doctor joke. Like how can, like when the sun comes in and it goes up to the operating room and the the doctor says, I can't operate this. It's on my son. And then it turns out the doctor's a woman and that's the big reveal. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah. Kind of the same thing. It's that kind of Sam Ruse. It can't possibly be a deputy marshal. He's a black man. We'll trust everything he says. He walks with a limp. And again, he has a lot of holes in his hat. So again, Reeves is talking about all of these plans they can make together. But while they're making these plans, he's thinking, you know what, guys, let's go to bed. But just in case the law shows up, all three of us should sleep in the same room. You know, just in case. Just, you know, I don't want to say something will happen. But wouldn't it be better if we were all bunched up together? Well, they agree. And they go to bed. Bass obviously doesn't actually fall asleep. He handcuffs them in their sleep without waking them up and simply waits until morning where he kicks one of them open and says time to go boys and then starts hauling them out of the house (laughs) the mother follows them for at least 10 miles cursing (laughs) out reeves (laughs) (laughs) no no you showed me the holes (laughs) (laughs) you meanie you meanie (laughs) What was that? What was that uh, comedy that said uh, was something like, well, you, you can't be the law. You said you weren't the law. What was it? You have to. Know. If I ask you if you're a cop, 
You have to say you're a cop. I cannot. Oh, what is that? I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, uh, what is it? Google that because I can't. I can't think. I'm be real mad. Oh, it's um. It looks like due date. Due date with Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis. Is it a girl asking him? Listen. I'm thinking of something else. So obviously this is the more common joke. So <laughs> yeah, it's due date, everyone. It's the one I was thinking of. Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis had a movie together. Yeah, it's terrible. You don't say. Yeah, it's <laughs> awful. Let me guess. Robert Downey Jr. plays some type of smart commenting uh, city slicker. And Zach Galifianakis plays a lovable idiot. Yep. And how'd oh, you know? I just... I'm so smart. That's how I know. I know everything. Oh, it's also. I want to say it's always is it the departed, but no, that was a serious movie. Tarantino, not Tarantino. Oh, um, Scorsese. Have none of that. Anyway, apparently this is a common thing. Obviously this, this rumor got around regardless. Bass takes them in. So he walks the 30 miles back. He walks the 30 miles back with the two outlaws. Apparently the mother trailing him for at least a couple miles outside the cabin, cursing him out, which is just such a good visual. It really is. I just can't believe the mom didn't have like a gun or anything like that. I'm sure she did, but I'm pretty sure he uh, made sure they didn't have it when he was there. (laughs) Right. It was like, it just, what do you do? And also he was, I think he was like over six foot and like muscular and like uh, he wasn't someone you would immediately want to beat. Like you would think you could take right away as we lead up into 1884, an event that will take a couple years to actually for Bass to deal with the consequences happens as Bass and is with his cook who is named William Leach. The outfit have about five prisoners along with them. And Leach and Reeves, who are just kind of butting heads the entire trip, are just constantly arguing with each other, right? After an argument, Leach storms off and in frustration, hits Reeves' favorite dog. <gasps> Bass never, him. never heard a dog. dog. Like I said, everyone's ears just perked up like, oh, I hate him. I don't know what Leach did next, but I hate him already. Well, who was it that we did? Uh, I can't think of his name. He ended up being a really bad person where the guy killed his dog when he was a kid because he was like mouthing off John, to him. John Wesley Harden. Yeah. No, yeah. Tom Horn. Tom Horn. Tom Horn. Tom Horn. Tom Horn. Yep. yep. That's who it was. Yep. So, Never. yeah. And look what happened to Tom. Never hurt a man's dog. That's what did it to him. It wasn't all the money he made being a, a career hitman. It was they killed his dog when he was like 10. Hey. John Wick, Hitman, killed his dog. Just saying. I, I still haven't seen John Wick. Oh, Jesus. So they hurt Reeves' dog. <laughs> I can see the anger in your eyes right I'm gonna now. Pretend, I'm going to pretend that you never said that. So Reeves' poor dog got injured, huh? You know, maybe. this is It's Keanu Reeves. <gasps> hey. That hey. could be. Hey. <laughs> John Wick just bass Reeve, but completely different. <laughs> it's just that kernel of truth. 
that's it. John Wick is now Bass Reeves. That story translates 100%. We may as well just stop talking right now because we know exactly how it happens. Well, I don't because I never, I haven't seen those movies yet. I saw Hardball. I like Hardball a lot. Yeah, it's a tearjerker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's real sad. Completely different movie. So anyway, Leech hits Bass's favorite dog. Now there is some debate on if it was Reeves's favorite dog or whatever. All that's known is that there was a dog involved. Whether you b- believe Bass is it was Bass's favorite or whatever it is, it's kind of up to interpretation. But on another night on the same trip around the ca- campfire, Bass is working with a Winchester kind of in the pit of his elbow. There is a bullet that is jammed inside it that he's trying to get out. So he's working on that when the hungry dog goes to leech and actually does the thing all dogs do. He puts his paw on his lap, wanting to just get a little scrap of food as leech is cooking. Buddy. Supposedly even doing... Probably the most adorable little dance you've ever seen. (laughs) This dog just really wants a scrap of food. The leech, the son of a... that he is, uh, does feed the dog. But he does it with a skillet full of boiling grease that he forces down the dog's throat. Oh! Are you serious? Yes. William Leach, you're a real son of Beep. a So the dog died. Yes. Yes, it did. Leach apparently grabs his pistol. Now, depending on which version you want to go with, Bass jumps up, which knocks the gun that he was either cleaning or getting the bullet lodged out of, and it discharges. As Bass goes to take care of the dog who is crying and is obviously about to die, he doesn't notice that Leech has was leaning into the fire. He had been shot in the neck, and it was very apparent that he was dead. Now, we're going to put this story on the back burner for just a second, because it's going to be a while for this to come back. But just know, this just happened, and it's going to be a big deal when it comes up later. With the nastiness of William Leach behind him, Reeves continues on arresting everyone, including he gets a warrant for a man named Jim Webb, who is accused of murdering his neighbor and about 10 other people. Parker has wanted Jim Webb for an awfully long time, and Reeves takes his warrant and rides out with Floyd Wilson as his posse. As they approach the house, Webb uh, meets a man named Frank Smith and Reeves is able to convince them to invite them in for breakfast, saying that he's just passing through. Maybe they're farmhands that they're going to work with on the farm for a bit. Now, this isn't particularly uncommon, but Webb is instantly suspicious. Apparently, there's rumors that a a black man is a really good lawman in the area, and he instantly has his eyes on Reeves. Reeves and Wilson are brought in and told to wait for the cook to make breakfast. Not liking the situation... Reeves asked to feed his horse who are now in the barn. Webb follows Bass just in case. He couldn't be more suspicious of this very large man pretending to be a cowhand. 
hand on his gun while Reeves feeding his horses, Reeves cautiously pulls out his Winchester from his horse and places it against the wall in the hopes that Webb will now see him as a harmless cowboy who is just passing through. Believing he had fooled Webb, the cook calls in the men for breakfast. They go inside the house, and as they're eating, Webb whispers to Frank Smith something. But whatever that something was, it became immediate to Bass that they know they aren't, that they're not buying it. He then gives a signal to his posse man named Frank Wilson. And as dinner is ending or his breakfast is ending, Webb, still refusing to take his eyes off of Reeve and Wilson, uh, is followed by a very tense couple of minutes. And Reeves, apparently calm, keeps talking and talking and talking, buying as much time. Maybe if he keeps talking, they'll actually believe that he's not, you know, a lawman. Well, it's not working. Webb looks away for a second, and Webb and Bass doesn't waste an opportunity and leaps to his feet, knocks Webb's guns away, wraps his one hand around Webb's throat, and shoved his pistol in Webb's face. <laughs> Here I am. Yeah, just you were right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he just gave him a choke slam. Right through the table. Yes. Yes, he did. The match is over. Bastries win. This all happened so fast that Wilson, again, Webb's partner, doesn't even have a chance to move. Reeves' hand is still on Webb's throat as Wilson tries to take a shot at Reeves. And with one hand still on Webb's throat, Bass turns around and shoots him with his gun and then focuses back on Webb. Basically, Wilson was just a minor inconvenience for Bass as he's trying to arrest Webb. So is Wilson dead then? Uh, he's about to be because he's shot in the gut. Oh, okay. Yep, he's dead. Yeah, he's not going to go far. Uh, Webb is still very much alive, but still not wanting to be hung for murder is brought in. But he flees for trial. So Bass rides out again in order to rearrest Jim Webb and to bring him in to make sure he's brought to justice. This time he reads, he runs with a man named Cantrell and they track Webb down at a store. Cantrell would describe what he saw through the store window. Reeves had cut off Webb from his horse and Webb turned around a clump of bushes and ran about 600 yards and was turning and firing. The first shot he fired at Reeves hit Reeves' saddle horn. The second shot went through Reeves' coat and the third actually cut the bridle reins out of Reeves's hand. Reeves jumped from his horse when another bullet cut through the brim of his hat. These shots couldn't be closer to actually killing him. This is like Custer's luck amount of shots that are missing Reeves. Reeves then returned fire and shoots exactly two shots at about 600 yards. Both shots hit Webb. And so close apart, they were said to have been within the palm length of your hand. Dang. I mean, he is a good shot. He is a good shot. There's no denying it. Now, if this wasn't, if this story wasn't told in multiple places, um, I would say this is not likely. But 
everyone kind of tells the same story. So this likely did happen. And the story's not over yet because Webb uh, was basically just shot basically through the lungs. Uh, So he's dying. There's no doubt that he's about to die. Reeves runs up to Webb. And Webb is to have said, and this is the part I really didn't believe, but everyone says it happened. So it happened. Webb said to Reeves, quote, give me your hand, Bass. You are a brave man, and I want you to accept my revolver and scabbard as a present, and you must accept them. Take with it, for I have killed 11 men, four of them in Indian territory, and I expected to make you the 12th. Bass accepts the weapon, and Webb dies. <laughs> I'm dying, dude. Take my weapon as a prize. Uh, you didn't steal it, though, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> now... You know, I've already said that I there's a lot there that you could doubt. But again, hey, if more than one person said it, right? Right. Well, it was Cantrell's or it was it was a few different people that saw it. And also uh, Bass has to be really he's almost forced into honesty because if he's caught slipping up at any time, he is a black man uh, basically in the South. Um, Bad things will happen if he's caught doing anything wrong. So. Typically, you can trust Bass when he's retelling the, the story. A couple years go by, and Bass arrests anyone that he gets a warrant for. As it turns to 1887, Reeves now needs to deal with the consequences of the killing of William Leach a couple years back. The cook that was evil to the dog and killed the dog. That guy. We all remember that guy. We don't like that guy. Now, you might ask yourself, it had been a couple years why is Reeves being brought up on these charges? Well, wouldn't you know it? An ex-Confederate and Democrat is elected as the Fort Marshal. Bass is then soon brought up on the charges for the murder of William Leach. The newspapers were all too happy to print about the arrest and it would even bend the story to almost unrecognizable. The Arkansas Gazette would say, quote, that the deeds had caught up with the ex-deputy marshal's misdeeds and he was brought in to Fort Smith, Arkansas. They would continue, ex-deputy United States Marshal Bass Reeves was arrested and lodged in jail today, charged with the murder of William Leach in Chickasaw Nation in April 1884. Leach was camping at camp and Reeves, with murderous official, with a murderous intention, officially shot him dead for a trivial offense. Trivial, my butt. Trivial. The man abused a dog. We all know what happened. The Fort Smith Times the next day, which is, again, Reeves' hometown press, had the headline, quote, Reeves, a noted character in limbo, charged with the murder of William Leach. The article would continue, and this is a fairly lengthy quote, but it's worth getting into. Quote, the mills of God's grind slow, but exceedingly fine. Ex-Deputy United States Marshal Bax Reeves, colored, is in the clutches of the law and charged with murder. The fact of the killing has been known for a long time, but the circumstances attending it to the evidence tending to establish foul murder committed by pure wantonness, having just been brought to light. Leach was cooking supper when the dog belonging to him came up and stuck his nose on the cooking vessels. Reeves kicked the dog and threatened to kill it when it when the cook interfered, saying it was his dog. Reeves replied 
God damn you, I'll kill you. He then drew his revolver and shot at the Negro's head, blowing his brains out. It continues. Bass Reeves has a reputation throughout western Arkansas and in Indian Territory that no man need envy. It is said that he was riding as deputy, that he was in the habit of holding kangaroo court and camp and extorting small sums of money from prisoners by those with small imaginary offenses. It has been discharged that at one time he made an insulting proposal to a white woman in the territory and his conduct has been investigated by the grand jury and his dismissal from the force recommended by that body for some time now, but for, for some reason he has not been discharged. But let go for making history, all of which will come to light in due time. Man, they really can twist the story around, huh? Almost unrecognizable. And then also, hey, everyone, he insulted, he may have insulted a white woman. What else can we say? Oh, uh, the people he was brought in claimed he made up charges in old kangaroo cart. Okay, we're trusting criminals now. Suddenly. Now from them too. Yeah. How convenient that these randomly just, just happened. As noted in the paper, Reeves is placed in jail for six months and is eventually released when he raises his own bond. Reeves is consistent with his story that the gun discharged when he was on his knee when the loaded rifle went off. The dog was not even Reeves, but he won, but it wandered in the camp and everyone claimed it was claimed by everyone at the time. Therefore, there was no real reason to be Bass upset for the dog's murder and an, uh, angry enough to kill a man in cold blood for it. If the odds weren't already against Reeves, there's one more piece of bad news that hits him. Because in the lead up to the trial, it is reported that Reeves gets into an argument with a selected juror. Oh, no. Now, what actually happened is that the juror approached Reeves and threatened that if Bass didn't, if Bass wanted to save his neck, that he had better talk to him right now. Bass said that he had no business talking about his trial and that he would hear it when Bass took the stand. The juror then pointed his cane at Reeves and said, you damned black son of a beep. I am certain to break your neck as I have this cane in my hand. Me and three others have it out for you. You'll be surprised to know that that jury member was kicked off of the jury. No way. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Funny how that works. Which I say that kind of as a joke, but it's a little surprising that the jury was actual, the juror was actually kicked off of the court. <laughs> Especially in those times. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't get it. The trial begins in October 1897 with Isaac Parker serving as the judge. Now, Reeves and Parker do have a really close relationship. Not really close, but a really good professional relationship. Parker comes from an affluent family and Reeves is obviously a former slave, but they really bond through like religion. They both have the same sense of duty. So this is actually not a bad thing for Reeves. Reeves testified that he was loading the gun when the barrel, when it, and the barrel was in the pit of his elbow, and it was leading approximately 40 degrees when it went off. Witnesses in the outfit and the outlaws that Reeves were arresting were also testified, but even testified that Bass, even though Leach was clearly dead, actually sent for a doctor the night that the killing happened. Reeves left the stand, 
saying that he had not hid nor fled in the three years since Leach had been killed. And it turns out the jury believed Reeves as it only took an hour of deliberation when he is found not guilty of all the charges. Woohoo! Justice. Yes. However, uh, Bass had to basically drain his savings to make sure no. his lawyer's fees, his bond. Yeah, it's pretty much all gone. Now, if you consider that a deputy marshal, an average salary was $500, Bass was making about 3000 a year at that point. So he was well above. Yes, he was really, really good. <laughs> Don't know if we've mentioned that before, but the man was efficient. But with the savings gone, this kind of takes away any comfortable lifestyle or any chance of retirement when he goes uh, later in his career. In fact, he gets to be a little bit desperate for money. He starts offering his services in Texas. Anyway, after his murder, Reeves can only do one thing, and that's arrest people. So he goes out and gets a handful of warrants again, and this time he's going after a man named Bob Dozier. And Bob Dozier is probably the biggest baddie we have in this episode, even more than Jim Webb. Dozier is accused of pretty much everything you can be charged with. Robbery, murder, he probably smelled bad, probably had some weird teeth, it was everything. He viewed, he is viewed as like a kingpin, uh, and, and one historian actually referenced him as like being a, like a mafia leader, like akin to a mafia leader like 30 or 40 years later. So big guy, kingpin, he's someone that they've wanted for an awfully long time. Dozier was well aware of who Bass was and is said to have bragged that if Reeves ever came up to him, that Bass was as good as dead. Well, Bass heard the threat and <laughs> joked, saying that, well, if Dozier would actually have to do that, he would have to stop running for a bit in order to kill him. Ooh. Right. Regardless, after weeks of tracking him down in Cherokee territory, Bass heard the threat and joked that if at least Dozier would have to stop running in order to kill him. But regardless, after weeks of tracking him down in Cherokee territory, Reeves believes he is about two hours behind Dozier when a thunderstorm wipes away any tracks that Dozier may have left. So he then just kind of wanders for a couple of miles, thinking he still has a decent beat on Dozier. And after a few miles, he aimlessly working again, going through a storm, a shotgun slug whizzes by Bass's head. He's definitely on the right spot. Yeah, he's found him. <laughs> Unless those rocks suddenly started shooting at him. I don't know what happened. Uh, Bass takes some cover behind some rocks, and Bass can only peek at a tree line where the shot came from when he sees a shadowy figure between the brush and the rain. Bass fires, and he thinks he dropped whoever the shadow was. But the downside of that is Bass now just gave away his position. Fire is returned instantly and bass narrowly avoids the shot and drops but he just continues to lay there playing possum soon he hears a laugh coming from the gunman who he believes 
just killed Reeves. Turns out the man is Dozier, and he couldn't be happier with himself. Dozier comes out of the trees and heads towards Bass to look at his handiwork. Now only a couple steps away, and apparently a flash of lightning distracts Dozier for just a second. Bass uses a slight distraction to pull his weapon and shoot Dozier in the neck, killing him instantly. <laughs> Which is pretty freaking cool. <laughs> the last thing he saw was a streak of lightning. And then nothing. I'd like to think he saw Bass for just a second, like, oh, oh no. <laughs> right when he was saying no, he felt it go through his neck. I hope so. That would be great. As it turns into the 1890s, Bass is either forced from his home in Arkansas or after the trial, he offers his tra- or transfers to Paris, Texas. Regardless, the last 10 years of his career will be spent in Muskogee in the North District of Indian Territory. So he kind of bounces around really for the last 10 or 15 years of his career. It isn't truly known why he leaves, but he even leaves his wife and his family behind. Not really known why. Curious, considering that his son actually works for Isaac Parker, one of them. Hmm. What is known is a couple years after Reeves dies, his wife dies of some type of sickness, possibly cancer. Now, there's nothing that says Reeves left behind because she was dying or there's any evidence Uh, But there is plenty of evidence that he was possibly a strict husband and father who just wasn't around very, very long. So take with that from what you will. Um, That seems to be the blemish on his character. He was very strict and may. And I really want to put like, I can't just like put enough warning on this enough. We don't know why he left, but it is possible he left because she was dying. Take with that what you will. As more and more emigrants come across to populate Oklahoma, Texas, and Arkansas, the Fort Smith court is broken up into three smaller federal courts. For the first time in his career, Bass is no longer under the Fort Smith court. The court is broken up isn't the only evolution that Bass has to deal with, because as few records exist, there's no way to quantify the amount of racism he's had to deal on a daily basis. But to contextualize, race hasn't so far been a big issue in his story so far. We've definitely touched on it. We've definitely talked about it. But there's not that outright racism that you would truly expect from a deputy marshal in 1880s America, right? Well, in the 1890s, that starts to change. And for context... This is also, in 1896, the Plessy versus Ferguson rule comes down, which is the separate but equal uh, Supreme Court decision um, that will actually last until the 1950s and 60s. It's not a great time to be a black man in America. Well, really hasn't been a good time ever uh, for, for Reeves to be a black man in America, but just know... He's starting to encounter a little bit more racism. One story goes that a white man came into a general store and Reeves asked the man to turn in his guns as the town had a no gun ordinance. The man went for his gun as did Bass. Bass then broke the tension by saying, quote, you are a white man and I am a Negro. 
White men do not like giving up to a Negro. You may hand your guns to Mr. Hall, and when you are ready to leave town, he will hand them back to you. And the man complied. If that's the amount of tiptoeing you need to do as an actual authority figure in your town, just because you're black, imagine the dances he had to do every day just to continue to be that effective as Marshall. Right. Some reports of a newspaper show up that Bass had taken the law into his own hands. Now, hard to verify regardless, but the stories seem to pop up every time Bass arrests a white man. Art Burton even suggests that it would be difficult to envision Reeves overstepping, knowing that any slip-up he would have would likely be a result in him either being fired or killed. When he moves to Mostogi, a town that is fairly integrated for the time, as there are actually several dozen businesses that are owned by black men, Bass is almost exclusively arresting black and indigenous people uh, and allowing other white men to arrest white men. That's how it's getting as more people populate the area. He spends less and less time in the saddle and takes on more of a traditional role as a cop, kind of just walking the beat. Uh, he even remarries a woman named Winnie Sumner, who was a former Cherokee freed woman who was also born into slavery. Hmm. So things are starting to look up to him. So his wife is still alive at this point. His first wife, but he I just forgot so. that. Le- he just left that life behind. Essentially. Yes. And there's also like there, some of his sons are adults. They're adults. One works for Parker. One um, is kind of becoming an outlaw. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Um, the old father-son duel. Yeah. Um, now, when I say he's done, like, I think he was more suspected of being, like, stealing horses, all that good thing. But just know there's, there's rumors about his son that he kind of... Uh, didn't follow the path of his father. We'll say that still the old lawman still has a few tricks up his sleeve. He does still on occasion go undercover, which you really get the sense. He really liked going undercover. It was his favorite thing to do. He dressed himself as a worn cattle driver and was charged with trying to go capture some cattle rustlers. Well, he tracks them down in front of a cabin that he thinks they're hiding in. He then gets his yoke to his wagon intentionally stuck in the mud on purpose. And he makes enough noise that the outlaws have to come up because it's pretty hard to keep hiding when you have an old man grunting uh, with a wagon outside of your cabin. Eventually, that's going to attract attention. Once they get outside the wagon, they come and help him. When they are working to help freeing him, he reaches into his overhauls and pulls out his Colt 45 and arrest all six of them that were hiding in the cabin, <laughs> which had to be one of the cooler reveals. <laughs> Do you think like the gun was like, it was obvious underneath his overalls. Like I'm picturing like the big cartoon, Yosemite Sam, like comically large barrel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, how'd this get here? Well, Oh, okay. Well, you're all under arrest. <laughs> Sir, I don't, I, I, is are those two guns underneath your overall? No, I'm just happy to see you. Well, it's funny because there were six of them too, and he only had one. He had two guns, but it was oh, yeah, just two. him. But 
Yeah, I mean, you don't want to. You don't want your life to end. I mean, one of them is gonna. I mean, he's gonna take a couple of them down with him. Right. He has a reputation at this point. Like, there's no way people do not know the name Bass Reeves in the territory. Like, he is absolutely. Oh, it's Bass. Son of a gun. It's Bass. All right, I'm coming peacefully. <laughs> do you think they knew? Like, because that would even be funny. Like, they were. He's at the point where they're now just like. Yeah, we know it's Bass Reeves. So, like, we can go around with this ruse and just get arrested. They were all going to surrender anyways. They just wanted to give the old man a (laughs) a victory. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, we'll give this to him. They looked back when he pulled out his guns and said they're under arrest. They turned around and winked at each other. Ding. (laughs) They already had their hands, like, behind their back. Oh, we, we didn't know. Oh, you got yeah. us, Bass. You got us. You're so right, our dude. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't have been more proud of himself. Anyway, those men were convicted afterwards. In Bass's 27th year on the job, it's 1902. And Benjamin, Bass's son, actually moves to be closer to his father in Muskogee. Just like his father, Benjamin is away a lot for work. And the newlywed stage of his marriage starts wearing off and becomes pretty strained. In an effort to save his marriage, Benjamin does the opposite of what he should have done. And he dives headfirst into work. Which actually strains it more. Because during his time away, his wife started an affair. No! Benjamin comes home early from work one day and finds his wife in bed with another man. Now, Benjamin is obviously angry, but ultimately forgives his new wife, realizing that maybe the reason she was, she went to another man was that he was away so much. So he gets a job closer to home so he can be with her more reasonable, not great. An affair is never great, but at least he's, he's working with it. Right. When he's telling his father the story shortly after, Bass claimed that if it would have been Bass, he would have, quote, shot the hell out of the man and whipped the living God out of her. Very strict man. Very strict man. Strict man. Yep. There's no messing around with Bass. If there wasn't these stories of him having a really good sense of humor, um, you would think he's a very straight-laced guy. And it seems probably in his private life, he probably really was, but... um. And this also was kind of the evidence that he probably was a strict father, maybe not the best husband because he was gone so much. So if you're like, there's always, there's always a blemish on someone that you're covering. Like it's not always so good. So this, this, that blemish after Benjamin leaves his father, a couple days pass where Benjamin comes home again and finds his wife in bed again with Uh, another man. Uh, Possibly remembering his father's advice, he beats the man and in a fit of rage ends up turning to his wife where she has a pinky raised and she said, quote, this is according to Benjamin, I think more of this little finger than your entire body. Oh, no. Benjamin lost it and in a fit of rage likely strangled her. Oh, he killed her? Mm, He did. Which leaves an interesting issue for Bass Reeves. 
because someone has to serve that warrant. The warrant is obviously issued, but there's concern on who's going to take it, as nobody wants to be the one to be known to have arrested Bass Reeves' son. It pos- there's a couple different versions of the story, but it possibly went on claim for up to two days. When Bass, who was obviously shaken by the events, reports to take the warrant himself and says that it was his duty to bring his son in. During the arrest, some say that Bass collected the warrant the same day of the murder, but he does go to straight to Benjamin's house. Again, different versions of this house. Sometimes it's a couple days. Sometimes there's more of a confrontation. But what is believed is that his son threatened that he would not be taken alive. And Bass is to have told him to say, quote, I have a warrant for your arrest and you will come by you dead or alive to his own son. And not only to his own son, a crowd is gathering outside watching all of this happen. Benjamin ends up running off. He's able to get away. And two weeks pass before they find Benjamin and Bass brings him in. During Benjamin's trial, he showed the stoicism of his father, who was standing right before, him, right behind him in the audience and supporting his son until he leaves for Leavenworth Prison after the conviction is handed down. Now, it takes a couple of years. Benjamin would be released uh, basically on good behavior. He gets a full pardon and is said to have been the ideal prisoner. But that is the story of Bass Reeves actually arresting his own son. I thought you were going to say he's going to like come back and kill his dad. Nope. He was a model. He was the model prisoner. And then he got out and went and killed his dad. And then killed his father. With his son arrested and in Leavenworth prison, Bass, probably unsure what to do with himself, just jumps back into his work. The first case Bass deals with after his son is convicted of murder? Take a guess. Jesse James. No, but that would be great. Jesse James being arrested by a black man would be out like chef's kiss good. Who is it? Uh... It's adultery. Uh, so not, not quite the reveal you went with, but right. uh, kind of a bummer for Bass, as that's obviously what led to his son committing murder. Unfortunately for Bass, Benjamin isn't the only tragedy in the family. As even a couple years before, Bass loses his, his namesake child when he is 14, when Bass Reeves Jr. dies of pneumonia. Directly after that funeral, Bass is seen again walking the beat and making arrests. Now, a couple years later, so you had Bass Reeves Jr. die a couple years before. You have the murder of Benjamin's wife. And now he has to deal with another son who dies of a fever at age 21. So two of his four kids are have died. Dead. And his yeah. third one is in jail. Is in jail. And by the way, he still doesn't have money because that trial took up a lot of his money <laughs> from William Leach. It's not great, but you you just get the feeling he doesn't know what else to do with himself. Like, this is what he was born to do. So that's all he does. In 1905, approaching 70 years old, I believe he's like 65, 65 to like 67. The man will not quit. 
the old lawman has one last gunfight in him. It is his 30th year on duty, and a marshal named Ledbetter and his posse are hunting down an outlaw that they've been staking out for. After a few hours, they run low on ammo. Ledbetter asks for Reeves to come out as reinforcement, and near sunset, the outlaws make a run for it. The posse fires, and what seems like stormtroopers in Star Wars, there's a lot of bullets going on, and none of them are hitting what their intended target is. Ledbetter called the bass to shoot, and Reeves replied, quote, I'll break his neck. Reeves pulls his Winchester out, and at a quarter of a mile, he shoots the man with one shot from a quarter mile, and the man drops dead. <laughs> I'll do you one better. Jesus Christ, at 67, we'll say 67. He's near 70. He's an old man at this point. He can. I don't think I could see a quarter mile at 67, let alone fire a gun. And here's Bass still dropping people. Now, Bass spends the next couple of years holding on to his badge, but is eventually forced to retire when he comes down with Bright's disease. He becomes more and more sick as they come out through 1910 and only retires for a couple of months before he dies at age 72 on January 12th, 1910. He almost literally worked up until his death. But he made it to 72. Not bad. Pretty good. Took a couple guys out as an old man, too. Yes, he did. Do you know, did him and Benjamin ever, like, talk again? I think uh, when Bass, Bass dies before Ben gets out of jail. So I think they probably wrote. He might have had a few visits, but um, okay, yeah. I was just curious if there was like any uh, ill will. I don't think because Bass even stood behind him in trial. So was Benjamin the one that worked for the the judge? It was. I believe it was Benjamin. Let me look that up quick. I don't believe so. I'm going with that. I can't specifically find it. I don't believe it was Ben. Okay. Yep. I I don't believe so is my official answer. Is that official enough? Okay. That is the life of Bass Reeves, as sudden as that changed. Now, we have to rank him. Okay. First round. Are you satisfied? This is our biography round. This is where we're going to be handing out negative 10 points apiece to positive 10 points apiece, depending on how well we liked his story. How well did we like his story? Um, I liked it. I am intrigued to hear about wider because, I mean, he brought in a lot of people, um, Bastard, but I don't know if it was like on par. You know what I mean? Oh, it was more than on par. It was light years beyond what what um, Wyatt Earp does. It's light years beyond anyone does, if we're being honest, because he just arrests like a machine for 32 years. Right. Yeah, I guess when you look at it like that. I mean, you can't find a more dedicated person over the course of the West. Like, you really can't. And when you think he has, even when he was, uh, even when he was, um, I guess when you think about it, when he was uh, on trial for murder, he went back and still worked for however many more years. 
during a hostile, like we say hostile work environment, but literally the deputy didn't want to want him to be there anymore. Like they were looking for him to slip up. Right. So every little thing he did was under scrutiny was under a microscope. So like typically when like, there's a lot of the people that we cover that you can't take their word for uh, bass is the exception because he had to be that good or else he would have been that dead. Right. If they caught him in a lie, well, you're done. Game's That's over. It. Yeah. They would have found any reason to get rid of him. And they did find a reason when you get, when you, when you are a black man getting found not guilty on a murder charge in the 1880s, that's a pretty big deal. Like that doesn't happen all the time. Like, and it only took them an hour to deliberate. Right. It was very quick. Now to the, like, what's interesting about the West is yes, we're after the civil war. Yes. We're at like, it's still an incredibly racist time in American history. But as you get farther out West, you kind of see less of it because everyone is just kind of surviving. Like everyone is more equal to each other. And that's kind of why he's able to flourish as much as he did. Now, when it becomes more populated, that's when he starts having more and more issues. But let's not like, let's not even beat around the bush. The amount of racism he had to go through every day of being a black man, trying to arrest a majority of white people. And if he wouldn't have gotten, had to do that stupid trial and everything, he would have been able to retire with a pretty hefty right. sum of money. I don't know money. if he would have retired, though. Like, I really, I don't know if he knew what to do with himself. Like, that was always the default to go back to. Um, It was cool, though. Like, he did some, he had some pretty good tricks to get I some did. of these guys. <laughs> yep. Um, oh, overall, though, uh, I thought it was decent. Um, I mean... I feel like most of it was, it was basically the story. His whole life was just basically wrapped up yes. in work. Like he was just a work. Now keep in mind, this is what survives, which is, I think what really right. irritates me because he seems like such a rich character that you want to dive into, but he was illiterate. Didn't write anything down. Nobody wanted to write things down for him at the time when they could have written it down. So you just have a lot of random stories. It kind of seems like. Right. Well, not, I mean, I wouldn't say random. They were just work stories. Right. It like was we all... just sat around the water cooler for the last two hours listening to his work, t- right. work tales. Right. And like, it's all really good. You just, you kind of wish like, I like, I like, I like doing the series and I like doing the podcast because like when you're doing a biography, you get to know this as a human being, like the good, the bad, everything. He definitely had some bad. There was some bad there, but we also, we don't know what the bad is. Like most of it is overwhelmingly positive because it had to be. And I will believe it was overwhelmingly positive for him. But we don't know what he was like at home, really. Yeah, I was going to say th- th- his work life was overly positive. We don't know how he was yeah. outside. Right. Other than people to say, yeah, he was a great guy, had a thunderous laugh, like to make maybe a, a dirty joke or two. <laughs> seemed like he would be a lot of fun. It just, we don't get that detail. Um, But overall, I think I'm going to uh, go with a solid score of six and a half. Six and a half. I liked him. Don't get me wrong. I, I really liked him. So I'm going to go higher than that. Uh, 
I just, in a time in American history where you don't expect a black man to succeed, he really stands out. So I, I am, I'm going to go as high as an 8.5. Wow. I really, well, okay. I so really the thing with me and the thing why, uh, my main reason is I feel like after a while, it's like when you go out with uh, friends, right? And you always have that one friend that just sits there and talks about work. Now, unfortunately, that's the only stuff that was written down for him, or not written down, but that we can see. But you get annoyed with that guy that just always is talking about work. You're getting annoyed by Bass Reeves. All right. Uh, all right. I mean, I wouldn't say yeah, annoyed. I would just say like, right. okay, buddy, man, you work 32 years. You got to have some life as well. I think, I think what you're is like, it's disappointing. We don't know more about him because nobody took the time to write yes. things about it. True. Like yep. you're not really frustrated or angry. It's just like, you wish that you wish we were coloring with four colors instead of like two. Right. Yep. Perfect. Well said way better than me. <laughs> about to say before. <laughs> just waiting for the keyboards to start typing there. <laughs> but I, I can understand where you get that, but I also like, that's not his fault, but that does hurt his story. Yes. Like that 100% does. So, but what I will say is I know we asked for a Custer uh, HBO miniseries. You could do so much of a TV show with Bass Reeves. 3,000 arrests, little is known about him, especially early career. You could do so much good with a TV series for him. Somebody yeah. make that happen. Like that would be really good. Really, really fun to watch. Um, I think at the beginning we talked about the movie that was made in 2019 called hell on the border. Yeah. Um, the guy it's, I don't believe it was the actor's fault. I don't think he was given much to work with, but they, they made him a humorless, quiet, stoic which I don't believe is him at all. Like he had a sense of duty. He had all of that, but he's just, I don't like how they played the character. Um, and I, I think they could have given him some personality. So like, that's why I wasn't a huge fan of the movie, but anyway, there's, there's my two cents. There's a cliffhanger we left at the beginning. So are you satisfied? His total score is 15. Next round, be sure you're right, then go ahead. This is our morality round where we'll be handing out negative 10 points apiece to positive 10 points apiece, depending on how moral we think he was. I'm going to go uh, eight and a half. And I think that is what you said uh, earlier in the previous round. Like, he couldn't be dishonest. Like, he had to be top-notch right. all the time. Now, a couple points off, you know, uh, I mean, not sure how his family life were, but I mean, he did leave his wife and kids and stuff. So, I mean, I mean, even though one of his kids did come to live by him. Right. I mean, and two of them passed away, unfortunately, early, but still. Can you imagine how hard it would be to impress him as a son? Oh, those had to be unachievable. Well, standards. I mean, take a look at what he said to his son when uh, he was like, I took her back. I would have shot him and beat her senseless. I mean, yeah. he was a no nonsense. Like the rules are the rules are the rules. And then maybe on the road, I think that's probably when he unleashed, which I think you see that with uh, with some people. They just don't know how to act at home because they don't they don't know what to do. But at work, that's kind of their element. And that's kind of where he's at. Um. 
I don't know what I was thinking a good score for him to be because I always like I always think of what did he do above and beyond that would make him like a righteous like what would what would make yeah. him a good guy? Um, taking I think down three thousand people. <laughs> yeah, taking down three thousand people. That's that's a big one. Uh, to be under the microscope, he had to have been under pretty good and honestly really limited stories of abuse of power, which I mean, I'm sure they happened, but I don't know if you can take, take any one particular story as valid. Cause it just seems like it's just, well, he's a black guy arresting a, a white guy. He had to have done something wrong. Let's just say anything. So I don't think you can really take that. Um, I'm going to go a little less than your eight and a half. I'm going to go seven and a half because he had, I mean, the man was committed to duty. Um, and that's just, I'm, I think we're just going off of pure speculation. Of, Public service, man. Yeah. I, it's, it's good. I, I can see someone being upset that it wasn't higher, but I can also see, I mean, I can also see somebody doing lower cause it's just all work related, but Seemed like a really good, funny guy if you actually got to know him. It's just I wish we got to know him a little bit better. Total score of 16. Next round, to hell with the consequences. This is our crazy or clever round. We're going to be handing out negative 10 points apiece if we think he's crazy or 10 points apiece if we think he was clever. I mean, he was definitely clever. Are you kidding me? He started disguising himself. And I mean, playing possum, that would have been that would have been super scary because <laughs> he was just laying there letting it happen. So um, I'm going to go decently high. I'm going to do like a seven. Seven. It's a good score. Yeah. I do want to, I would love to see him actually like go to the, where he brought in the two outlaws. Cause he convinced their mother. He was also like that had to have been just gold to see how angry she was. Or I would have loved to see the faces of the two kids when he kicked them up. All right, time to get going. Oh, but you pointed at the holes in your hat. I don't understand why you're doing this. I mean, I'm shocked the dude. I would have, you know, honestly, I would have set up camp a little closer than 30 miles. But (laughs) I mean, hey, a walk's a walk, right? Maybe he was really annoyed with his posse man. And you're like, you know what? You just stay here. Watch the camp, sir. That's like, that's a long ways. I know it's fine. This is part of the plan. I need this. He's definitely clever. I don't. Um, I also, this doesn't necessarily fit into this round, but the constant horse racing, I think is fun. (laughs) Oh, shucks. I don't want to race you. My horse is clearly going to use, look how he did let a guy go. He did let a guy go fair and square. He did, which is just great. I love it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go. I think I'm just going to match your seven. It's a good score. I like it. Solid score. Good work. Total score of 14 for that round. Now we're going to lock Bass's score as he's positive. Right now he's at positive 45 points. If we were at negative 45 points, we would continue to subtract scores Uh, to the next round. We're going to draw. If we were in a shootout or a duel with Bass Reeves, how screwed are Matt and I in that duel? We're going to be handing out points from zero to 10. So screwed. (laughs) I mean, we could be running, and he would take us out. It's true, from a quarter mile away or something. But would he take us out? He'd just take us in. Uh, I'll let you know on his counting coup score, but he there were there was a handful of people that didn't make it in. 
I'll say, you know what? I'm going to go middle. I'm going to go, I'm going to do middle. I'll, I'll do five. Do five. I think I would just surrender or I'd like to think I'd be like, I was like the last time we talked about him going undercover, like, Oh, Bass Reeves is outside to arrest me. Okay. I'll go along with whatever Ruzi's going. We're going to please the old man and just let him go with it. <laughs> oh, I'm so shocked. It's Bass. It's Bass Reeves. I mean, he was a towering like Hulk, like, right. I, I mean, I bet he was pretty intimidating. Oh, I'm, it sounded like he was just a mountain of a man. Um, and even this probably could have been said in the to hell with the consequences, but he, he would even, if he knew he was going undercover, he knew he would be like his outline from a ways away. He would ride a big horse. He was a big man. He could be spotted from a ways away. So we'd actually switch to a smaller horse, which I'd like to think is that tiny little pony. But they're Sweating. All <laughs> that poor little thing. <laughs> So he would switch horses so that he would be at least a little bit less recognizable. But, um, yeah, it makes me makes me chuckle. Um, I do like your score. That's a solid score for five. Uh, do I want to match it or do I want to be different? I'll just match it. Why not? Uh, so that gives him a total score of 10 in draw. Next round, Legacy. How well-known is he? He's going to be handing out a score between 0 and 10, depending on how well-known he is. And unfortunately, I don't think this is his round. Well, he's been in some movies. He has? Um, None I've heard of. Um, He's been um, in some board games, which I've never heard of. He has, yeah. Um. So not great. <laughs> no, I've never heard of him fault, before. By this. the way, not through lack of his own effort. It's just he just got forgotten by time. Um, three. Yeah, I mean this. It's just very disappointing. <laughs> Everyone should know about this guy. But I mean, okay, so I think part of that is because of just him not being able to write down anything or. Well, it was the racism. Uh, Nobody, because if it had been a white guy that made 3,000 arrests, someone would definitely have wanted it. Yeah, someone definitely would have wanted to. Like, he would have been, he would have absolutely been like lore treated like gold. He would have gotten the Wyatt Earp treatment. And not to spoil anything, I don't think Wyatt Earp deserves all of the praise that he gets. But that's another that's another story, always down the road. It's just sad. We he should be more well known. He should have a really awesome movie about him. Everyone should know him. He should be talked about in grade school. Like it, he's just not. Um, I'm going to go a little higher. I'm just going to go 3.5, but it should be higher. I just, I just saw he was, uh, there was a, his character was in the harder they fall that movie, that Western on Netflix last year. I hadn't seen that one. Yeah. He's played by Delroy Lindo. Oh, oh I love that guy. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> just throw you, it out there. Just do you want to change there. your score now? Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Well, good. I mean, I 
he seems like a prime candidate of someone who is going to be more popular as time goes on. Like, I think history will be on his favor, but everyone, everyone listening, you have a homework assignment. Go tell a friend about Bass Reeves because he deserves to be talked about more. If anyone is wants to write a TV show about him, there's some good stuff that you can get from him. A lot of round to play around with. A lot of good history you can play around with. Just saying. I will Go play there. the role of one of the people in the cabin that is a fool for believing he was an outlaw. It's perfect casting. It really is. <laughs> Eric will play the other brother. <laughs> the dumber brother, too. <laughs> With an even worse, accent, even worse accent. I can't do accents. I don't know if anybody's picked that up yet. I have Listen to here, partner. I'm from the shaft now, you hear? Oh, dear. <laughs> Eric, what, that was a terrible accent. What are you doing? Oh, please. <laughs> we sound so close together. Anyway, legacy score, six and a half. Next round, death bonus. We're going to be handing out bonus points, depending on if we think he had a cool story between one and two. And he he died of no. Bryce's disease. Like, you, you can't. I mean, no. no. Yeah. No. Congratulations for making it to 72. 72. When the odds were but. definitely against him. Zero. Next round, counting coup, the confirmed ish kills and we're dividing that number by 10 any guesses 15 14 ah, i was close close yeah so what is that 1.4 1.4 what does that match up of people we actually had like convert like actual counts for uh jesse james had 16 wow he was on par with good old uh, jesse james when you think of uh billy the kid billy the kid had six Wild Bill Hickok had seven. John Wesley Harden blew him out of the water, but it's kind of it. Tom Horn had 17, but that should have been much higher for being honest. So yeah, six, 14 being uh, on the other side of the law. It's quite refreshing. Total score 1.4. So that brings his total score to a respectable 62.9. 62.9. And if it wasn't for his legacy score, where it got him a total of six and a half points, he was looking real good. He had 15, 16, 14, and then draw middle of the road at a 10. And then the, the six and a half really hurt him. But he, up until legacy, he was looking like he could have been taking the points leader. Stupid legacy. It really is. Okay, but now we, we need to draft him. So as Eric grabs his coin to flip, I will call it in the air. Whoever is right, they get to choose if they want him on their team. We each have a team of 20. Everyone else goes into the free agent pool. The free agent pool will sit there until Eric and uh, myself's teams are full. And then we can add and drop as we want and pick up from the free agents. At the end, obviously, as you know, we'll have a big tournament. Bracket style. So I will say heads. It is. I'm pretty sure that's. Is that tails? Uh, no, it's heads. Uh, heads. Yeah, I was going to say heads. All right. So it's heads. Heads it is. I get to choose. And for the first time, I think I'm going to pass. Are you? I am. I just don't think. In the grand scheme of things, 
he is going to go too far. I disagree. I think he's going to do quite well. Oh, I hope this bites you. He's not evil enough. He's not evil enough for me. Sitting Bull and Olive Oatman are evil enough to be. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Olive had a dark side. Okay. Where? Where was the dark side? (laughs) So I think that actually ties us up, doesn't it? Or am I still ahead by one? No, it's it's 10-10. Uh, because I'm uh, if I didn't say I'm obviously drafting Bass Reeves because I I think that is going to come to bite you real hard. I just really don't think so. I I think the story's there. I I think he's gonna make a run because the well, story's interesting. Just because he's not well known doesn't mean the story is any worse. Well, so, the listeners can let us know if I made the wrong choice because oh, I don't think I did. I'm so happy you passed. I'm so, so happy. I wanted him really badly. So I was really disappointed when that came up heads. You would think I could, I could try to like cheat a little bit. You could always pull a two face. I could. I mean, granted, I do flip the coin right in front of you. And then I don't even look at the coin. I look away and then show it to the camera. Uh, If I ever figure out how to cheat, I could, I could roll. But yes, I'll take Bass Reeves. Love it. And with that, that is our 20th episode. Our 20th figure is complete. And it's kind of funny that we end with both of us at 10. I think that's hilarious. I like it. I mean, granted, we would have, we'd be within two or three of each other regardless, but yeah. Um, neck and neck next uh the next time we yeah by 40 every roster is going to be filled up supposedly and then that's going to be real tough because i'm looking at who i would drop and i don't know who i would drop quite honestly i'm thinking william barrett travis is probably the first person i'm going to drop and i don't want to do that because that's the alamo and we do but did we go too top heavy on the beginning episodes? Are we going to we'll get see. a lot of nobodies? Uh, there's plenty of big names. There's, um, I kind of have the list. It's kind of an ongoing list, but there, there's definitely some big names we haven't covered yet. I can already think of two or three. Right. At, at least, at least two. So. Which are? I mean, Wyatt Earp. We've talked about him enough this yo, episode. Doc Holliday. Yeah, Doc Holliday's one. You've seen Tombstone. Oh, uh, Buffalo Bill. <laughs> wow, Buffalo yep, Bill. Buffalo, we haven't done. Yep. Buffalo Bill's coming. Yep. Um, we haven't even talked about Frontiersmen yet. We have a lot yeah. of mountain. Oh, I, I know a few more. I know a few more, but I'm not. I'm, yep. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stop right there because I don't want to get to give out all the names. Yeah, I mean, people can probably figure it out. I mean, you, if it's if you know a Wild West name, chances are we're going to be right. We haven't yet, so I don't think there's much of a spoiler to be given here. But yeah, there's there's quite a few, and like I said, we haven't talked really about Frontiersmen yet, other than Daniel Boone, David Crockett a little bit, but that's Daniel Boone was a man, big man. That song still comes in my head sometimes. I swear. 
living rent free. I get the David Crockett one stuck in my head once in a while. It's basically the same song, if we're being honest. <laughs> right. Same guy. Didn't we look it up and it was the same singer? Yeah, still or Fess Parker. Always Fess Parker. Maybe we'll do an episode <laughs> on him. Renowned Wild West figure, West Fess Parker. Everything is, eh, he died in what, the 70s? Eh, who knows? But with that, I think that's all we have on Bastaries. Remember, if you like what you heard today, go ahead and like and subscribe. Leave us a comment on whatever podcast service you are listening on. Uh, we really appreciate it. And you can always check out our website, ranking76.wordpress.com, where you will find a link to all of our social media, our email. You can see the scorecards. You can check out the other episodes you may have missed. Um, we really appreciate it. All right. And with that being said, I'm Matt. I'm Eric. We will see you next time.